Okay, well I think we'll go ahead and start here this morning. So, I think that you all know me, but if you don't, my name is Carmen Rassi. Um, I haven't been able to be like actually in this class very often, but I have been enjoying following along online. So just a special thanks obviously to Amanda for allowing me to be here and to all of you for putting up with me just barging in each today. Uh, Amanda knows that this is a topic that is very close to my heart that I'm very passionate about and so we're going to talk this morning about engaging our anger. And sometimes when you want to teach people about a subject, right, you call in an expert and typically you think of that as being someone who knows how to do it well. But in my case, it's the opposite. I do not. Um, I do not know how to do it well. I sometimes do not handle it well still, um, but I had a season in my life when I did it very, very not well. So this subject is um, incredibly important, right? The book went as far as to say, if fear is the most common emotional struggle scripture deals with, anger is the most dangerous. So I still can, in vivid detail, remember the day that I realized that I had an anger problem, even though it was over a decade ago at this point. Uh, my kids that were in school had just walked in the door, and I watched them visibly like brace themselves, not knowing you know, what version of mom they were going to be met with today. So, see, they never knew what it might be that would just set me off. And so while that was one of the more awful moments of my life that I've experienced, I'm so thankful that God loved me enough to reveal that to me, that he didn't let me stay there, right? He pulled me out of that darkness and into the light. So let's pray before we uh, go any further. God, I just pray that you would be here with us, that you would give us hearts to see um, any sin that you may want to reveal to us, and that you would also just fill us with such hope this morning. There's such hope in your word. Um, we are sinful. We are far more sinful than we even realize, and yet you're such a strong and kind and gracious God. So just be here with us this morning with us this morning, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So before we get too far down the road, I think we need to define some terms, right? The dictionary defines anger as a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. Uh, the book that we've been reading calls anger the moral emotion. It says that anger is what happens when your heart is observing the scene before you and crying out that something you love is being treated unjustly. A definition from biblical counselor Robert D. Jones, who wrote the book Uprooting Anger, defines it this way, a whole personed active response of negative moral judgment against perceived evil. So if you struggle with anger, I actually I highly recommend that book. But if you put all those definitions together, we see that anger is a strong feeling. It's something that we do. It's a response. It's a judgment we make against perceived injustice. And anger, it's reacting to a perceived wrong. It, and it's not something that we can just rush by 
And in fact, the book said that if you do, you might have an anger problem. So as we've been learning this, this whole class, though emotions aren't all bad, you know, emotions actually can be very good. Emotions can be like warning lights in the car, you know, telling us, hey, potential problem. And yet at the same time, we should never allow our emotions to rule us, to dictate us. Anger can be good. It can be righteous, right? which is super hard for us, at least me, to wrap our minds around because our or my anger is almost never good or righteous. It almost never comes from a place um, of being angry because of something is an actual affront against God. But we see that God has anger in the Bible, right? And it's a good anger. It's a righteous anger. God is angry at injustice. He's angry at sin. So things like the Holocaust, that should make you angry. Sex trafficking should make you angry if your anger is against an actual sin. Anger is at times the appropriate response. Like when it motivates an action that will bring God glory. When it um, serves God's purposes. In uprooting anger, it actually gives a good mental checklist for how to know if your anger is truly righteous. Righteous anger will always be against an actual sin and not just a perceived one. It will be focused on God's purposes and not our own purposes, and it will express itself in a godly way. But if we're honest, I think we can all admit that the kind of anger we experience is rarely that righteous kind of anger, right? And sinful anger has this tendency to blind us. It makes us say things like, I'm not angry, I'm just irritated. Or, you know, we make ourselves feel like our anger is fine. And we tell ourselves, well, but I'm right. And they're wrong. You know, and... If everyone around you is always an idiot and doing things wrong, (laughs) it might be time to think about if you have an anger problem. And if when you get angry, you think things like, well, if they hadn't, or if my circumstances were different, or if I wasn't so tired, I wouldn't be so angry, right? It's probably time to do some thinking. One of the most difficult things, at least for me, to process about anger is that you get angry because you are angry, right? It is not anyone or anything else. Those are just things that are revealing what is inside of you. So you have to be able to identify anger before you can engage it. Right? You can see or feel anger sometimes in a very physical way, and like the quickening of your pulse or blood pressure and the reddening of your face or the face of whoever you might be looking at, the clenching of teeth, right? a loud voice, destructive, critical words. Sometimes, unfortunately, anger can be seen in physical abuse and verbal abuse. But it's also important to note that anger is not always explosive, Um, sometimes it's actually the opposite and as the book points out you know sometimes anger hides it can hide in alcohol it can hide in drugs in numbness in checking out in just withdrawing from your life or from a person you know binge watching TV or whatever it might be and sometimes you know the more timid person may not react 
outwardly with some like spewing of words, but they'll boil inside. And then suddenly, like the cap on the toothpaste getting let off or something caused just this, you know, this explosion of, you know, they could clearly not be about the toothpaste uh, sort of a thing. So if right now you are thinking, you know, I don't, I don't really get angry. I just get, I just get irritated. I just get frustrated. Um, I just encourage you to heed the warning in the book. It brought out that irritation and frustration is simply anger in adolescence. Um, Ed Welch, in his book about anger, titled A Small Book About a Big Problem, which is also an excellent read, adds also grumbling and being critical and complaining to that irritation and frustration as all of that just being more subtle or adolescent forms of anger. And left undealt with, you will end up in you know, the full-fledged full anger. You might wonder, you know, well, I mean, what's the big deal, right? It's just anger or it's just a little complaining. It's just a little irritation. Um, but just let me gently remind you what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 21. He says, you have heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So Jesus puts anger right alongside murder. And Edge Welch says, Jesus has just enlarged the boundary of murder so that it includes all kinds of anger. He links them at the heart where they share the lineage of selfish desire. So anger will destroy you, and that is what the big deal is, right? So after you know what anger is and if it's righteous or not, after you acknowledge or can identify where you feel it or see it, the next part in engaging anger is to examine it. Why do I do what I do? Right, and James 4 tells us that we do what we do because we want what we want, and we want what we want because we desire what we desire. It's not necessarily sin to desire something, but it becomes sin when you are willing to sin to get that or to try to get it. So if you want to put off your anger, right, you have to go all the way back to the root. You have to consider why you're angry. And the authors encourage that you begin with the question, why am I angry? What wrong am I perceiving? What is the outcome of my anger? And these are all really excellent questions to start with. The key to beginning your analysis is first, what was the situation? And why am I angry? And then what am I wanting? What am I thinking? What wrong am I perceiving? What am I desiring or demanding? So for anyone in here who might be getting discouraged the longer that I talk, because you see anger in more and more ways of your life, please just let me encourage you. I, I've been there. And please don't be discouraged. The fact that you can see anger in your life is actually a gift. Like it means God is at work. He's allowing you to see it. Um, God, God loves you, and this problem, this doesn't get fixed in one day, right? This is going to be hard. It might require, require counseling, but you can take comfort in that God will not leave you here in this space. So there is always hope. 
So this heart level analysis, though, of anger is what most of us, myself included, just never get to, right? We want the quick fix, not the actual hard work. So instead of doing the hard work of heart level analysis, we're going to start, we would start with ways to try to fix ourselves, right? We're going to read another self-help book. We're going to uh, take a vacation. We're going to give yourself a good old mental pep talk, right? You're going to, oh, we're going to try to get more sleep. And there is nothing wrong with any of those things, and they're actually all can be helpful, but it is not where we should start. And in all actuality, the starting point actually isn't even heart level analysis, but actually knowing God and who he is and what he has done. Because if you don't know God, or if you suspect that your view and your understanding of God might be a little bit off, might be a little wrong, you need to start there. Like, learn who God is. Because only when you have a heart that overflows with, with worship and thanksgiving for who he is and what he has done, can you then truly, with the help of the Holy Spirit, start down this path to change. Examining your anger is hard. right? This analysis or examination of the situation and what you wanted and what you were feeling, what idol you were clinging to, that's hard to think about sometimes. And as we've been learning on Sundays, right, this is the put-off part of the battle against sin. Right? You confess your anger to God. You agree with God that your anger is sin. You confess your sin to others and ask their forgiveness when necessary. Right? And then you renew your mind. You get into your Bible. You remain in prayer. You engage in Christian community. You fight. You stay in the fight against sin. Right? And sometimes... You might have to engage in Christian community before you can see what you need to put off. Right? You may have to tell a friend, you know, I'm really angry because my husband never listens to me, or whatever. And any friend worth her salt won't just say, won't just let that pass by, right? She's saying, well, why are you angry that your husband doesn't listen to you, right? You, helping you get back to the heart of that. And if you don't know how to ask yourself the hard question, you know, ask a friend. Ask a friend to help you with those. Now, just a word to you, if you don't actually personally struggle with anger, but you are the friend that someone comes to, can I just encourage you to be curious? Ask good questions before you ever try to fix it or respond um, with some biblical Platitude. Sometimes that's necessary and that's what you need to do. But start with questions. Uh, when I was really struggling through this, it made such a profound difference to me when Mike started asking me questions to help me get unstuck instead of just saying something like, you know, oh, come on, honey, the Bible says to be kind. Right? So I just encourage you to ask good questions. And sometimes we need our Christian community around us to help us renew our mind, right? To remind us what the Bible says, to, to gently say, hey, you might be believing a lie here. So after you do this heart level work to put it off, to renew your mind, and then we put something else on, right? You put on the Holy Spirit, and I'm not really going to spend much time here. Um, Pastor Kevin talks about it some. Um, and actually, Joy Cook is going to talk about it Women's Bible Study this week. So you can learn all about putting on in one of those two places. 
I really, I, I can't do this topic justice. I've just smashed like several books in like over a decade of walking through this myself uh, into whatever, like 15 minutes or something. So this is a super simplistic explanation. Um, the walk out of habitual uh, and sinful anger, it's not an easy one. My walk out was one of the hardest and most humbling things I've ever done in my life. And it did not happen overnight. Okay, so change is slow because for a long time, I believed so many lies and it takes time to undo that. Right? I believed that if I wasn't so tired or if my kids would obey, then I would not be quite so angry all the time. Right? And then if I wasn't so angry all the time, then God would love me. And in fact, I would pray, God, don't let me be angry today. And time after time after time, I would fail. Because you can't walk out of something like that on your own strength. So you can't walk out of um, just thinking, I'm just going to modify some of my behaviors, right? You can't walk out following some, following some four-step program because that doesn't work. And it leads to this joyless life um, and even dis depression and despair sometimes. But if this is you today and you're stuck in anger, you're stuck in some other sin, and you wonder, well, is there even any hope? Like, I just want you to know that there absolutely is hope, even when it doesn't feel like you can ever change, right? You don't just need some more willpower to overcome your sin. You just need new, you need new thinking. And you need to not fix your gaze on your performance, but fix your gaze on Jesus. If you're wired like me, you really wish for the three-step process, right? That's how, that's exactly how I am. Like, just tell me what to do so that I can do it. But there really isn't that. But let me just ask you this question. Do you believe that Jesus died for you? That he took your punishment on the cross? That he rose and walked out of the grave triumphant forever over sin and death? Because if you believe that, do you know what that means? Jesus Christ's death took the penalty of your sin. And his resurrection then broke the power of sin over you. He beat sin, and now he lives in you. So don't let your sin lead you into further despair, but to the feet of Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who didn't hold on to his right to stay in heaven, but he willingly came to earth as fully God and fully man and died for your sin, paid the penalty for your sin. And that in and of itself is super astonishing. But then three days later, he rose victorious over sin and death, and he broke the power of sin. And we look forward now to heaven when we will be free from even the very presence of sin. I'm going to go full circle here, but your anger or whatever sin you struggle with, when you really get back to the root of it, it often, not always, but often reveals incorrect thoughts about God. Sometimes doing a heart-level analysis of anger shows us that we are angry at God for how he has allowed our life to go. Sometimes it shows that we believe him to be a cruel taskmaster, Sometimes it shows that we actually believe that he could never love us. Your view of God greatly impacts the way that you live 
And so I encourage you to look at the Word of God anew. Learn who God actually is and what He has done. That will change you. So what we're going to do next is we're going to look at uh, an example. You always get to live what you're about to teach. So we're going to look at an example that happened in my life. And we're going to talk through, excuse me, what it would look like to take that situation and work it through one of these worksheets. So we're going to work through the one with pictures uh, titled The Three Trees. I actually gave you a couple. Um, so you can take notes on one if you want, and then you have a blank one, or you don't have to take notes at all, whatever. You have, I just wanted you to have them. So um, the one, they're, they're very similar. They're, they're very different, but they're very similar. The pictures one, um, you start with the number one, and you work your way around it, which is what we're going to do. The one with boxes is very similar. You start at the top and you work your way down. And so I just encourage you um, the next time you need it to just work through whichever one resonates with you, whichever way your mind works best. But, all right, so here's the situation, which is the number one on the circle, or on the pictures thing, the heat, if you will. Now, this is a funny example. It's not necessarily a serious heat, but you know, it was still led to, to sin, so in that aspect, it is serious. Um, so, it's a school morning, 7.25. We have five minutes before we have to leave for school. And all the people in my house, the four kids, they're running around still, filling their water bottles, packing their lunch, where are my cross-country shoes, I have to have this shirt today, like, you know, all the things, that sort of thing. Nine times out of ten, this five minutes in our house is frantic. And this morning was no different. We, okay, we were super behind, and, you know, they had been packing their lunches, and nobody, myself included, took the time then to put away the food that they had gotten out to make their lunches. So we all leave, and after I drop the kids off at school, I go for a run. That's just, that's the way it works for me. And so I do that, I get home like an hour later. I walk in and I see a package of what used to be lunch meat <laughs> laying on the floor and a half eaten package of Hawaiian rolls. And then I'm like, what is that? What does that smell? So we have a dog. <laughs> and someone had left the chair out from the table, and so the dog climbed up on the chair and then up on the table and ate a pound of lunch meat, half a package of Hawaiian rolls, and then went into one room of our house and pooped all over the floor. So, first I yelled at the dog, which was super effective. Stupid animal. Like, and then I, you know, well, I'm the only one here. I guess that means I have to clean this up. So, but I was, I was mad. Okay, I was mad. This is not the first time this has happened. And so, the kids get home from school. Okay, now mind you, I've had like eight hours to cool off at this point. And so this is really actually rather embarrassing. But they get home, and I'm like, guess what your dog did. <laughs> You're lucky that he's still here because if someone had walked up to this house and said, can I have your dog? I would have said, yes. And he ate all the lunch meat, he ate half the bread, 
So now we don't have what we need for lunch this week, and I had to spend all this time cleaning up the poop, blah, 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 right? This, yeah. So that's the situation. That's, that's the heat, if you will. And it's also number two, right? It's the bad fruit. It's how I reacted. This was not well. And the effect then of how I reacted, you know, is I was obviously, I was angry, and my relationship with my kids was broken. My relationship <coughs> with God was broken because I assure you that I did not spend all day with a worshipful heart. I was instead like, like, you know, and so I wasn't patient. I wasn't kind. wasn't gracious. wasn't any of those things. So that that leads you then to step three, right? The bad root, or what? What was it that I wanted? What was it that I believed, right? Well, I believe that I should not have to clean up dog poop, for one. You know, I believe that my agenda is what's most important, and I didn't have that on my agenda. You know, I believe that I should be in control of my agenda. You know, I want an easy life that doesn't include dog poop. You know, I want compliance, right? How many times have we talked about putting the food away. I want praise in some ways because I'm like, I cleaned up that poop and I didn't give the dog away. So come on kids, <laughs> like where, where's the comment about that? You know, and I believe, right, that I deserve to be comfortable. And I, you know, don't find like cleaning up dog poop with my shirt over my nose, like that all that comfortable. But that leads us then into step four, right, into repentance and faith, remembering who God is and what he has done. Repentance is just a fancy Christian word that means to be sorry for and turn from your sin. And here is where you see a big difference between repentance for an outward behavior and repentance for the roots of your outward behavior. So the difference in what most of us do is we'll say something like, you know, I'm sorry I was angry, and that is, you know, repenting for the outward behavior, but then working through this worksheet, what you see is your roots, and so you're confessing you're not only that you're angry, but um, I'm sorry that I believe I deserve anything, right? I'm sorry I believe that I must be in control. I'm sorry that I believe that my life should be easy, that my kids should obey, you know, I'm, I'm sorry I desire the praise of men over you, right? All those sorts of things. It's remembering the gospel. It's renewing my mind, letting that restore my awe and my worship and my thankfulness, which then leads to number five, good roots, or what should I want and believe? Well, I should believe that what I actually deserve is eternal destruction and punishment, and so dog poop, right, not so bad. Um, I believe, you know, I believe that God is control, and he, is so he sovereignly wanted to teach me something through that experience. I believe the Bible when it says that we will not have an easy life necessarily, that there will be suffering, you know, whether it be big or something small. Like, I believe that I've been shown much grace and forgiveness so while I need to kindly and graciously help my kids remember that they have to put the food away, I do not have a right to treat them poorly in the process. So then that gets us to step six, good fruit, or how should you respond? 
right? I should have responded with grace and with kindness, with patience, even with thankfulness that I have kids to leave lunch meat out, that I had lunch meat that could be eaten, that I have a house that could be pooped in, right? So then the effect of that behavior is is quite different, right? So hopefully what thinking through um, the situation of your own does for you then is it gives you handles, so to speak. It gives you something to grab at when a situation starts to spiral, when the heat is strong and hot, and you can think back to walking through a situation and slow down and stop the spiral and change your thinking. So putting off anger, though, it's not just putting off your behavior, um, it's putting off wrong thinking. And through this whole process, we have to remember what Pastor Scott said last Sunday, which was, we are responsible to make the adjustments, but we are utterly dependent on God to do so. So I am going to do something different for small group time, which is horribly tacky to be the guest and then change it up. So I'm sorry about that. But I want to give you just like 10 minutes or so here just to think of a situation of your own and pick one of those worksheets and kind of work through it. Your house may not be like mine, but when I get home, like, I'm so distracted. Things are all over the place. So I just want to give you a moment to think through that here. And then I have just a couple more minutes of thoughts, and then we'll be done. So I will let you uh, do that right now, and I'll come back in about 10 minutes. 